0: This is Rising Up with Sonali and I'm your host Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Georgia's Republican Party officials just about a year ago were all over the national news for defying then-president Donald Trump's demands to fudge the state's election results so that he could claim victory. In early January, the state's high-stakes Senators races also cast Georgia into the national spotlight. Ultimately, in what was a reflection of the state's increasingly diverse and Democratic-leaning population, those Senate races resulted in losses for Republicans and just tipped the Senate's balance of power toward Democrats. Now, Georgia's GOP officials are back in the news for rewriting their state's congressional district lines to favor their own party. My guest is Anna Dennis, Executive Director of Common Cause Georgia. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Somali. So first, let's talk about what the situation in Georgia is currently. Is Georgia, before this uh, redistricting happened, was Georgia already one of those Republican-led states that had the really wonky-looking congressional districts that were drawn to favor Republicans, and now Republicans are taking it a step further? Or did they start from a fairly you know, level playing field?
1: So in Georgia, for decades, we've had a problem with Partisan gerrymandering where the parties, whoever is in the majority or in favor, they're drawing it to protect incumbency and to protect their own uh, power. So in 2010, 2011, we had uh, districts that were drawn that really packed certain areas and cracked other area- areas. So we definitely had some wonky <laughs> Um, drawn uh, districts that didn't really favor the people of Georgia having uh, voices in their
0: um, areas. And so what has happened now? What has what have Georgia's GOP officials done? And explain for our audience, because this gets complicated when we talk about congressional district lines, um, and each state has its own rules about how they determine those lines, and those lines uh impact certain races but not all races so if you can just give us a like a brief you know uh, redistricting 101 on georgia to explain what it was the republicans just did that would be great
1: so in georgia um our redistricting lines are decided by our general assembly so our state and local you know legislatures so our state senate our state house Uh, they come together with the joint reapportionment committee and they are looking at you know population data they're looking at population growth and shifts across the state they're looking at census data to determine what should be the proportional size of a district what we saw in this redistricting cycle is definitely there is a protection of incumbency and also a protection of GOP party officials who hold those seats and so we saw this ring around the Atlanta metro area, a ring of conservatism and a ring of republicanism. It took away basically our competitive districts, meaning that you could have a Democrat a Green Party, Libertarian, a Republican that could be neck and neck in that district. Um, They took away many competitive districts um, in our state and they kept saying that, oh, we're trying to protect the VRA, So the voting rights uh, districts that really gave minority communities um, a chance to really win these seats. But that's not actually what's happened um, with the maps that have been drawn. What we see now with the maps is that they've taken away this Democratic district of Lucy McBath's Congresswoman Lucy McBath's district. And they basically definitely tipped it um, to lean more Republican which also could potentially tip the numbers when we're looking at our 2024 uh, federal presidential election. And so we see that ring happening all across the Atlanta metro area where they're pulling from West Georgia, they're pulling from North Georgia and condensing some of those districts into some of our progressive and democratically held districts. make those districts more flooded with uh, Republican um,
0: schemes. And let's focus on Congressman McBath briefly. She is, you know, a relatively new uh, member of Congress who has an incredible backstory. Her uh, son uh, was killed by a white vigilante. She was um someone who became politicized has been a fighter for racial justice what happens to her now how is she facing re-election given this new redistricting
1: with the new redistricting it just makes it very much harder for her to win that seat because they've taken a big pocket of her voter base and moved that actually into marjorie congresswoman marjorie taylor's greens district so it's definitely going to make it harder um, and definitely make that uh, seat less competitive and it's going to be more skewed toward Republican voters.
0: I understand that uh, Lucia, uh, Lucy McBath um, will also be facing off, or, you know, I, I, I saw that she may end up facing off against a fellow Democrat.
1: Yeah, so she may end up facing off against another current, car- <laughs> uh, Carolyn uh, Bordeaux. So what we saw with the the maps is that there are many maps that were, you know, rumored around and that was presented. But the map that actually was passed was actually the map that they presented in July I see. that really didn't have a long process through the committee um, time frame. So they're basically putting these two districts neck and neck or these two congresswomen neck and neck to battle it out over. Um, that seat.
0: What about the uh, fact that Georgia will, with these new lines, also just tip the balance of power in the House? I mean, they're now going to be having, they're going to have one more Republican, essentially, um, and and one fewer Democrat, uh, if if these lines deliver what they hope it'll?
1: Yes, I think that this is definitely a strategic way to tip the balance in the House and also tip the balance of what's to come in our federal 2024 um, election. It's definitely something that if folks in other states are not really watching um, with the redistricting process, they really should be watching um, and using Georgia as like a pilot of how do you manipulate lines and manipulate power to really distort and redistribute the lack of power of the people across the state. So we're definitely going to see this play out in 2022 um, and we're also going to see this play out in 2024.
0: Is Georgia a test case for how uh, states around the country are seeing demographic shifts that is prompting the sort of backlash from Republicans? I want to quote from for you and our audience from uh, an article by a local NPR affiliate explaining how Georgia has grown by more than one million people in the last decade, almost entirely via a surge of Black, Asian and Hispanic people flocking to Atlanta and its surroundings counties the new map does not add a new majority minority congressional district even as the state is on track to be a majority non-white state if not already is the um current battle around redistricting a reflection or at least a backlash to these changing demographic realities
1: i definitely agree with that quote actually i do believe it's a backlash what we see with our political culture in georgia particularly it is changing. It is very fluid. It's very magenta. It's very purple. It's not red. It's not blue. However, we have a situation down here where we have a a populace that does not want to believe that this political cultural shift is actually happening um, in Georgia. It's very similar to what happened in the nineteen, the you know, the early nineteen nineties when uh, President. Uh, Bill Clinton uh, was elected. So we're seeing that same political shift and we see that same backlash that's happening. You know, 30 years later in the last you know 10 years, we've had over a million folks locked down to Georgia and it's created this different type of electorate. And there's many people who are operating in fear and that will not want to embrace what that change actually means um, to Georgia. So this operation in fear, we've seen that backlash with the insurrection, we saw the backlash with the anti-voting bills, and now we see the backlash in our redistricting processes down here. So I definitely think that this is something that's dominoing across the country and definitely think something that people um, across the country should really have a bird's eye in, in Georgia particularly.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the issue of the voting rights bills. That definitely seems to be part of the agenda of the Republican Party. And in addition to all of that, we saw some years ago the election between uh, Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams as yet another of these sort of tests of the new Georgia versus the old establishment of white uh, Republican conservative Georgia. And in that particular case, we did see um, Brian Kemp you know, misuse his position as then Secretary of State to get himself elected governor. What is Stacey Abrams been doing because she has dedicated herself to preserving voting rights and ensuring Georgia's dem- small d democratic, um, you know, uh, health, if you will. I
1: think Stacey Abrams and her supporters, they've definitely been out here on keeping the drumbeat of we are the voice of change. We are what change looks like, um, particularly in Georgia. And I know that Uh, She has started, you know, organizations like Fair Count that make sure that we have an accurate count um, with our sentence because we know that in Georgia we had a severe undercount here. And also Fair Fight Action, who's keeping the drum beat of letting people know about what's happening in the anti-voting, you know, law space. With the uh, laws that were passed and what's happening in election administration, uh,
0: it's not just elections and democracy that um, and the electoral system that this redistricting process of uh, Georgia's GOP unfair redistricting process will impact. What are the effects you expect to see on other aspects of Georgia's politics, say the criminal justice um, system?
1: On the criminal justice system, what something that some people. Would just do not know about redistricting um, because redistricting is something that happens you know, every 10 years, it's not taught in school, it's something that's very out of reach for the everyday person. But in Georgia, our legislature also can redistrict our judicial circuits um, down here, similarly how they redistrict judicial circuits in Pennsylvania. And when you look at those judicial circuits, that lets you know what courts are going to be looking at what types of cases? For instance, Ahmaud Albury, his trial, the trial of the folks who martyred him and who assassinated him just concluded um, last week. There was pressure from many folks around the country and many folks in state and many folks in local community to have a fair trial process and also to remove that DA. But in Georgia and like other places, we have to also look deeper in our redistricting process to make sure that those judicial circuits are fair and equitable and that reflects actually the community as well. So I think we will see some of that bleed and trickle over into those other spaces of redistricting that many folks have no clue that's something that happens um, around the country and particularly in Georgia.
0: Wow, I did not know about that connection. And, and in fact, I'm so glad you brought up the Ahmad Arbery, um, the, the case of his killers being convicted, a very different result from what we saw happening in Wisconsin with Kyle Rittenhouse just days earlier, where he was fully exonerated. Um, and it's really interesting to see these two different cases. Um, again, I, I imagine that uh, there's a reflection of the Diversity in Georgia and the kind of increasing uh, pushback from the grassroots to 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 have issues like racial justice come to the fore, right? I mean, were you surprised by the Arbery the decision around Arbery, uh, the killers of Arbery?
1: I would say, as a African American woman who's born and raised in Georgia, as a you know a mother. Um, and as someone who is a millennial who has witnessed, you know, the cases of uh, Trayvon Martin down um, to Jordan, down to Rinhouse, down to George Floyd, down to Ahmad. Um, I was actually surprised. I was in shock. I'm actually still in shock because this is really one of the first times in Georgia particularly that we have seen justice being served in this type of a manner and i can say that we saw justice being served in that manner because the folks down here they kept that drumbeat going of what justice should look like and how our judicial system and our criminal justice system should be a system that is led by the people not to penalize the people just for living and wanting to have freedom. So I definitely was in shock of, you know, what the outcome of the case was.
0: And you mentioned Jordan uh, Jordan Davis, who was Lucy McBath's son. Uh, and his killer was also uh, convicted and sentenced to life without Parole and um, his death, and prompted uh, Ms. Macbeth to run for Congress, and and uh, mm-hmm. she became has become very active. Anna Dennis. Uh, about a year ago, we saw Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger in the news. Uh, you know, earn a lot of praise for standing up to Donald Trump when Trump, you know, had a, this phone call with him that was later revealed, where he basically pressured him to find the votes that would magically make Georgia uh, voters having voted for Trump instead of Biden. And Raffensperger was praised for standing his ground, and Georgia GOP officials in general were praised for sort of standing their ground. Against Donald Trump. But it seems as though that was a way to save face and that they've simply tried um, other ways to undermine Georgia's democracy through the voting rights rules, through this redistricting.
1: I definitely agree with that statement as well. Um, There are people out there who want to uplift Raps and Burgers and these Republicans as heroes because they stood up against Donald Trump. However, they're not heroes here in Georgia because we still saw anti-voting laws being passed. We still saw restrictions to things like vote by mail and absentee ballot, and we have seen this protection of incumbency in favoring favoring a certain party through our redistricting cycle. Um, And as, you know, the voice of the people um, here in Georgia, we want our representatives we want our senators we want our elected officials to stand up for the people not for our party or for themselves because it's about the freedom of people being able to have the choice of you know candidates that they would like to you know to vote for and having the choice of being able to be able to have reflective democracy with policies and laws in their community and that's not something that we're seeing here so these folks they're definitely not heroes
0: Well, let's talk about how Georgia's diverse young um, people of color, you you know, people of immigrant background. How are those folks fighting to keep uh, Georgia's democracy alive? You know, setting aside the prominent leaders like Stacey Abrams, are you see? We we saw, I remember, early this year this incredible groundswell, and even during the uh, presidential race last year, this groundswell of activism and, you know, people door knocking and being very active in trying to keep Georgia's democratic, uh, small democratic tradition alive um, or expand on it. What sort of grassroots led uh, efforts are you seeing um, in your leadership role as common cause with common cause Georgia of of people trying to lead Georgia in the right direction? So I'll give you an
1: example. Recently, we've had the legislator try to take over the the compositional body of the county commission of Gwinnett County. Gwinnett County is one of the most diverse counties um, in the Southeast of the United States. It's actually the most diverse county um, in Georgia as well. And what we saw is that, you know, a minority delegate of the county commission wanted to change the numbers of how many county commissioners were on that county commission. They did this because this is the first time that Gwinnett County has a county commission that's actually minority-ran. And this is the most diverse county in Georgia. Mm. We have high populace of African-American folks who live there. Um, API folks who live there, Latinx folks who live there, everyone flocks to Gwinnett County. And what we saw is that the public was pushing back. They came to hearings, they got on the radio, they got on the news, they went to protests and rallies. They also was in the background hoping to get a proclamation passed about local redistricting transparency. And so they pointed all of these things out Um, to the legislature in those committee hearings to make sure they were able to stop um, the local uh, bill from passing to make sure that they did not have a change of composition of that governmental body simply because people are afraid of minority folks having leadership roles like that in that county. So they definitely, and we've definitely been the drumbeat of those voices and of that happening across the state and particularly in one of our most um, minority populous counties in the country.
0: Well, Ana, Dennis, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. What's a good website for people to find out more about the work that you do?
1: They can find us on commoncause.org slash Georgia. They can follow us on social media at Common Cause um, GA. Um, we're actively tweeting. And they can follow us through other channels like Facebook um, as well, or just reach out to our um, local office and to our coalition partners as well. Um, Those are the ways they can reach out to us. And I'm very thankful uh, for this opportunity to speak about what's kind of happening in Georgia on how maps are drawn and how power is redistributed.
0: Well, I want to thank you again for joining us. My guest has been Anna Dennis, Executive Director of Common Cause Georgia. We've been discussing the GOP's redrawing of district lines. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. You can access these and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Are you With Sonali?